You're still tuned into Radio Now 95.3 FM, where we take you beyond the news. It is the start of a new week and, yes, of a new month. Welcome to the month of February. I hope your day started on a good note. And even if it did not, just keep listening to Radio Now. We will keep you informed and engaged throughout the day. My name is Yetsunde Adeyeri, and the week ahead is brought to you in collaboration with SBM Intelligence, Nigeria's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Every Monday morning on the week ahead, we will be analyzing the big stories in the country. We will help you understand them fully, speak to those affected directly, explain the impact of the stories on your life, and help you understand the geopolitical implications. As Nigeria continues to display an uncanny inability to solve problems and in some cases take actions which appears to make them worse, we look at how it is dealing with the Southeast Separatist Group, IPOB, and its military arm, ESEN, the threat of potential ethnic conflicts in the Southwest, and the new levels of insecurity in the land. We also go to South Africa, where the president of the country has embarked on what we might term pandemic diplomacy, a move that may help the continent access COVID vaccines more easily. And we also take a quick look at the situation in Ethiopia with the genocide accusations. All that and more on the week ahead. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Last week Monday, footage of soldiers shooting sporadically into the street of Olu in Imo State, southeastern Nigeria, surfaced on social media. There are reports that the members of the Eastern Security Network, ESN, the militant arm of the proscribed secessionist, indigenous people of Biafra, IPOP, as clashed with soldiers in Olu. Today, on the week ahead, we will be analyzing the events that led to these clashes. We will take a look at the rise of separatist movements in various parts of the world and also the military's response to armed IPOP in the eastern parts of Nigeria. Joaquin Makebong of SBM Intelligence is here with me, and together we will be putting everything into context. This is The Week Ahead. We will be right back. You're listening to The Week Ahead on Radio Now 95.3 FM, brought to you in collaboration with SBM Intelligence, Nigeria's leading geopolitical intelligence platform, every Monday morning, where we help you make sense of the big stories across geopolitical zones in Nigeria. Welcome back. This is still the week ahead on Radio Now 95.3 FM, brought to you in collaboration with SBM Intelligence, Nigeria's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. My name is Yetunde Adeyeri, and on the program is Joachim Makebong, an analyst with SBM Intelligence. Hello, Joachim. Welcome to the week ahead. Thank you, Yetunde, for having me. Uh, happy New Week to the to all the to all the listeners. And happy New Month to you too. Thank you. In a short while, Joaquim will help us make sense of this week's big story. But first, a quick summary of the top stories that made the news last week. President Muhammadu Bori appointed new service chiefs for the country. The new service chiefs are Major General Loki Irabo as Chief of Defense Staff, Major General Abrahim Atahiru as Chief of Army Staff, Rear Admiral A.Z. Gambo as Chief of Naval Staff, and Air Vice Marshal I.O. Amao as Chief of Air Staff. The special advisor to the president on media and publicity, Femi Additional, disclosed this in a statement on Tuesday, 26th of January, 2021. The president congratulated the service chiefs and urged them to be loyal and dedicated in the discharge of their responsibilities. 
We are also seeing a spate of kidnappings across Nigeria, a frightening indication of the state of insecurity in the country. The chairman of Adokola local government of Taraba State, Salih Dovo, was killed by gunmen that kidnapped him on Sunday morning. The kidnappers called a local government official to inform them of the murder and were to recover Mr. Dovo's corpse. Some community members suspect his abductors were hired assassins. The state police spokesperson, David Misal, confirmed the incident, saying a suspect has been arrested. Last week in the news, Ondo State Governor Rotimi Akiridolu issued an ultimatum on the 18th of January, asking unregistered pastoralists to vacate state government reserves within seven days, following incidents of kidnapping attributed to the pastoralists. He also banned underage grazing, night grazing, as well as movement of cattle within cities, towns, and highways. And in a recent development, the governors of Nigeria's southwestern states on Monday, 25th of January, banned all forms of open grazing in the region, following a string of clashes between pastoralists and the farming communities in the region. This decision was taken when the governors met with the leadership of the Mietiala Cattle Breeders Association of Nigeria, as well as security chiefs. Some of the governors in attendance included Ondo State Rutimia Kiridolu, Oshun State Goyega Oyetola, Ikiti State Karede Fayemi, Oyo State Sheyi Makinde, Jigawa State Muhammad Abubaka, and Governor of KB State Abubaka Bogudu. Meanwhile, several houses belonging to the Seriki Fulani of Oyo State, Alaji Salu Abdukader, and his fellow elders were allegedly set on fire by aggrieved youths in Igongon community of Ibarapa zone of Oyo State on Friday, 22nd of January. These youths were led by militia leader Sondi Adeyemo, popularly known as Sondi Igboho, to enforce a seven-day eviction notice to the pastoralists in the area. Moving out of Nigeria, in Ethiopia, Tigray People's Liberation Front, TPLF's fugitive leader, Debrishan Gebre Michael, alleged abuses, including genocide in the Tigray conflict, and calls on the Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed and Eritrea's president to be tried at the ICC. The spokeswoman for Mr. Abiy said the allegations were intended to cover up alleged horrendous TPLF crimes. Still in the news from outside Nigeria, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa on Tuesday asked wealthy countries not to hoard surplus COVID-19 vaccine supplies, adding his voice to calls for global production to be shared more equally. With Africa struggling to secure sufficient vaccines to start countrywide inoculation programs for its 1.3 billion people, the head of the International Gavi Vaccine Alliance, meanwhile, said the surplus doses that richer countries had ordered ran into hundreds of millions. President Ramaphosa, who chairs the African Union and whose country had recorded nearly half of the continent's coronavirus deaths, said the, said the world needed those who had ordered the vaccines to release them for others to use. These are some of the big stories in the last week. After the break, we will focus on the crisis that happened in Olu. Don't go anywhere, we will be right back. You're listening to The Week Ahead on Radio Now 95.3 FM, brought to you in collaboration with SBM Intelligence, Nigeria's leading geopolitical intelligence platform, every Monday morning, where we help you make sense of the big stories across geopolitical zones in Nigeria. Welcome back to The Week Ahead. I am Yetunde Adeyevi, and still here with me is Joachim, an analyst with SBM Intelligence. Hello, Joachim, how are you doing? Fine, yesterday. 
It's been a week, and first let's talk about the crisis that broke out in, on Monday in all the local government of Imo State. What do you make of that? Well, the 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 issue with the Eastern Security Network and and the, and the army uh, is something that has has perhaps has perhaps been coming for a while. Just for listeners who may not who may not know, the Eastern Security Network is the is a paramilitary arm of the indigenous peoples uh, of Biafra, led by led by Namdukan, right? Uh, so they started they they started operating, I think, in December or so. And according to them, at least according to them, their their mandate is to protect their people from the from uh, Fulani pastoralists who are you know harassing their people in the forest and so on. And it's interesting how close a parallel that is to what is happening right now in the in the southwest. So the you know they had some clashes with the military and then the the uh, ESN operatives. Did had a clash with the military, and the military went, came back with the with the reinforcements, looking for looking for those ESN operatives, and then as a result, you know there was a lot of uh, fighting and so on, and then they had to they had to do a curfew, you know, which is still which is still in force. Okay, Joaquin, before I go into my next question, I would like to um, understand a term you used. You try to um, make a parallel equivalence between what is happening with the ESN and what is happening in the Southwest. I'm thinking that is Amotekun, right? But we understand that the Amotekun is a group set up by the South East, Southwestern governors. It is legal, it was approved, and we can't compare them with ESN that was set up by IPOP, which is a separatist movement. And we can't look at them and say they are parallel. What do you think of that? So first of all, I wasn't th- thinking strictly of just Amoteko. I was thinking of the activities of Sunday Igboho and his people, right? So I, 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 so what I'm actually doing is I'm now putting Sunday Igboho and Namdekanu on the same, on close to the same axis. Since they are both militia leaders. Essentially, yes, and not just that they are militia leaders. It is what they are apparently doing, or rather trying to do, which is, quote unquote, protect their people from the activities of pastoralists, stroke kidnappers, stroke, you know or people who are invading the forest in those areas, okay? So that is the level at which I am I am drawing the comparison between between activity between events in the southwest. The point of their similarity is the fact that again, both are non-state actors. So Igboho and Namdekano are both are, are both non-state actors mm-hmm. and what they claim to be doing, which is protecting their people from the activities of, you know, pastoralists, stroke kidnappers, stroke you know criminals coming from you know uh, uh, elsewhere in the country because you know the 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 state is not able to do so. So that is where I am drawing the comparison. I think that maybe there are they are there are perhaps more differences. Mm. There are more differences than uh, than than similarities, but the similarity is is perhaps a big one. Okay. Uh, I mean the 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 origin story. The, I mean the way by which uh, Igboho and uh, and uh, Namdekano came to prominence have, are really quite different. Okay. Okay. But the similarity that they have is what I've just pointed out. But as for di- differences of you, 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 I mean, you could name quite quite a few differences. Yes. 
Okay, another problem we have to address here is that last week Monday we saw several footage of soldiers shooting sporadically into the streets in Olu and ever since then there have been varying reports on the reason exactly for that crisis. Why do you think we were not able to get a comprehensive report on exactly what happened in Olu? Yeah, so this is this is where this is where uh, a strong 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 media is necessary, strong independent media who who are focused on giving people the facts. For various reasons, the activities of the ESN and uh, and uh, Namdekano and IPOP want to frame things in a in a specific way to suit their own interests. The federal government, as well, you know, we want to frame things in a, in a in a in a particular way, you know, in order to give to certain to put itself in good light. So we would, the people would need strong independent media who are committed to serving the people in order to do sufficient reportage, uh, so, um, sorry, to, to give sufficient coverage of what happened there. Now again, you see that also again in the north, a lot of it in the north as well. There isn't as much media coming out of the north uh, when some of these uh, some of these issues happen, you know, uh, an attack, a kidnapping, and so on. So there is a, a bit of like a death of reporting. Mm. Uh, and then you see also that a lot of the mi- major media houses are kind of concentrated in this uh, legacy by the axis. Uh, and so that's also, that also has its own uh, uh, impact in the way events outside the Southwest, for example, are, are reported. If we had better, if we had better coverage of of the southeast uh what will happen is the reporting will quickly coalesce around a story that is based on facts and not what one side or the other wants you wants you to believe in an exclusive interview here at radio now we spoke to mr declan emelumba the emo state commissioner for information and strategy about the recent happenings and this is what he had to say the governor said that um, uh, a group of militants uh, just uh, started shooting, shooting sporadically in uh, on low metropolis. And uh, in the process, they clashed with security operatives, the army and police. And uh, a lot of lives uh, were lost, uh, property damaged, and uh, many uh, destructions. So uh, the, the point is that we know that these are militants, but we don't know what they represent or what their motive is. Um, Meanwhile, the governor has directed security agencies to to fish them out and uh, ensure that they are brought to book. Mm. And that is why, uh, to restore some other coffee, has been closed there. And uh, military combined um, uh, security uh, agencies are patrolling on a 24-hour basis. All the affected local government areas where there is coffee. So that is the situation Mm. for now. Is, is there clarity regarding those affected? Um, how many people are injured? Was anyone killed? How yeah, many we houses were burned? What I, I want numbers. Yeah, we don't have the numbers now. Uh, I think uh, the is still going on. Uh, we expect to have the exact numbers uh, soon enough. But we know that some people were killed. People were killed. People were maimed. Uh, property. Uh, sorry, but mm. the exact numbers, we, we, I, I don't want to guess, 
want to be sure when we have the figures from the relevant authority. When, 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 we say, when you say people, when you say you know people were killed, um, are you looking at civilians who uh, may have been caught up in the crossfire between uh, both uh, warring sides? Are you talking of soldiers, you know, or are you talking of casualties on the sides of the militants? Where exactly are you looking right now? Well, we know that some um, um, security uh, people were, were affected by the, the, the violence. And of course, there was a uh, casualty uh, based on a uh, crossfire. Uh, some civilians who were uh, going about their normal businesses were caught in the crossfire. And so the, the number of casualties and as for the identities are yet to be uh, uh, properly ascertained. Once that is done, it will become a, a public uh, document. Okay, so joking me. You add that. What do you make of what the commissioner just said? I, f- I find one of the com- one of the statements he made in the first, I think, the first minute. I find that very interesting. He said that the do- that the government does not know the group or what the group represents or what they stand for. I find this very interesting because I, I again, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what what the people of Olu or the people of Imoset are supposed to do with, with that. The government is supposed to know who began to attack several communities. I think it was trying to it was trying to play it safe by not um, naming any particular group that yeah, and precisely, precisely. And that's precisely the problem. That's the problem. Now are are you going to are you going to see are you going to see black and call it white? Or are they trying to feign ignorance about the people who carried out who carried out the attack? Because if apparently the 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 the, the army lost men, okay. Yes. So if the army lost men, let us assume, for example, that they were trying to protect a community that was going to be either harassed or you know by by men of the ESN, okay. And in trying to protect that community, let us just assume they lost men trying to defend that. Now, does the government can the government say it doesn't know who the people who the people are who did that? I find this very interesting because there are also there are also several reports, I mean that that IPOB is accusing the government, the I mean the Muslim government of siding with the the of siding with you know pastoralists and the army against its own people. That's another narrative that is currently receiving plenty of play you know on the internet right so what i'm saying is at a point at a point our politicians have to decide if they want law and order or or if they don't Mm. that's the problem here now um and and also also the longer the longer like you said playing it safe as I mean, as uh, as the Imose, as the as the uh, Imose government can see, there is no more safety. Mm. So so why are you playing it safe? What safety? Safe where? No place is safe. Nobody is doing any business in Olu right now. And Olu is the second biggest uh, uh, town or city in uh, Imo State mm. after away the capital. Nobody is safe. So why are they playing it safe? Uh, do they want to stop criminals or not? Do they want law and order or they don't? So at a point, our political leaders at the state level are going to have to decide which one they want. Do they want chaos or do they want order? 
And you cannot have order. You cannot have order if people disturb public peace and you don't first of all first of all call them out on that and secondly and most importantly see that they face the law for their various crimes um, looking at the fact that there are still some Easterners that sympathize with the with the cause of the IPOP, that sympathize with some of the things they do. Do you think that is one of the reasons why the Eastern leaders are finding it difficult for them to call out the IPOP for what they are, which is a separatist group? That thank you. That's that's a good question. Um, I have to say that the issue that the Southeastern leaders have is that they are not really close to the people. They don't do things that endear them to the people. So they have, so they behave in ways that are like rather tone deaf. I don't know if you you saw there was a video of I think the the uh, the, the chief of staff to the ABC governor. A video circulated a lot where there was uh, a, a a religious man came came to the office and he was spraying the man, spraying the man money. Oh yeah. That made <laughs> that made a lot of rounds, and then there was all of this uh, talk about you know he was being reprimanded and so on. I think he, I, I, I can't even remember if he still kept his job. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But things like that are the kind of things that get people thinking. That isn't where did he get the money that you know that he used to spray someone that came to his office? Isn't that like like money? for you know it's there could be arguments that is quite generous but it's a bad look it's a bad look that is even before you get to to all the other things the usual corruption and so on and so forth now when you when your when your governance is not effective and doesn't and, and doesn't make things better for the people you leave spaces open for people like Enamdi Kanu to 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 exploit but I, but I also need to add something here as well. Uh, before IPOB, there was MASOB, right? There was MASOB. Um, MASOB is Movement for the Actualization of the Sovereign State of Biafra that was that is still led, sorry, by Ralph Uwazurike. Now, uh, Uwazurike was trying to push, you know, for you know for a for a Biafra state and was using entirely peaceful means, really quite pacifist. Okay. And he was arrested several times. Uh, Masob members were also arrested, and so on. And then uh, he was he was also arrested several times, and then eventually released, and so on. So there now became a split. There was like so 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 there was a split among among the Masob ranks because some of these some of the younger people were tired of you know being being brutalized by the Nigerian state. Okay. Even so, though they were going through the peaceful means, they were not okay with that. No, 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 no. They weren't okay with it, and they weren't okay with it because of the response of the Nigerian government. Okay, there's something that I want people to to really understand. Movements like movements like Biafra, movements like OPC, are not are not. I mean, you don't have that in Nigeria only. Okay, in Spain, you have the Catalonia, you know, independence movement. You know, and m- many there are dozens, there are dozens of separatist movements all over the world. It's not the first time. Nigeria is not the only country to have some of these issues. Okay, but what you hope, you know, the government will do is to adopt a means of dialogue, you know, 
and a means of governance that helps to keep some of these people on the fringes hmm? instead of doing things that will bring them into the mainstream. So when so when Namdi Kanu started Radio Biafra in 2014, he was an unknown. Nobody knew about him. Right? Yeah. What then happened was he came back, he came into Nigeria, was arrested not long after by the DSS in 2015. I think that was October or so, 2015. And even though he was granted bail by a court, several court orders granting him bail, he was only he, he was only released in 2017. By then, he had become a star. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So what I'm saying is that to keep these people on the fringes, you cannot adopt the kind of style the Nigerian government adopts of arrest and detention without trial and without release. Hmm? Like, I mean, I know that uh, the, 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 the leader of the Islamic movement of Nigeria is still in custody till today, Zagzaki. Yes. Yes, and there is no, and and there is no cogent reason the government has for continuing to detain him. Apparently, his wife even has COVID, and there was a court order saying that she should be treated for COVID. Again, I'm not sure why all these things are an issue. Even when again there are several of these court orders saying that she should be released. Now, when he came out in 2017, like I said, he, he now became a star. And then, of course, his influence grew, his followers grew, and all of that. And that is how come we have come to this point, to the point where he can recruit people under a so-called Eastern Security Network, and they can apparently bear arms and do what they are doing. Now, I, I think there's still so much more to discuss when it comes to the politics and security of the Southeast, particularly with the way the indigenous people of Biafra movement has grown over the years. How exactly would you describe the situation in the Southeast right now? Again, um, like I said, it's it's imp it's it's important for us to 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 understand something. The worst thing that could happen right now is for the Southeast governors to get into bed with Inamdikanu. It's the worst thing that can happen. It, to get into bed with him, trying to make compromises and so on and so forth. But you just mentioned that to a get dialogue him. is necessary. No, no, no. So, so w dialogue. What I mean, dialogue. Dialogue is not is not compromise. It's, it is not asking for his support in order to win elections. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm saying that if people have concerns, they table those concerns about governance, about the direction of the country, and so on. They table those concerns, and then you, as government, find ways to meet them. Halfway, not getting into bed with them in, I mean, to, because you want to win an election. No, I'm talking about governance. Only good governance hmm, mm -hmm. can keep these guys from gaining even greater prominence than they already have. And what does good governance mean? Providing opportunity for the young people of the Southeast, and indeed, of course, all across Nigeria, hmm, opportunity to live their dreams, opportunity for a decent life opportunity for good education and so on and so forth we all know what good governance looks like and we know what it doesn't look like and and, and across nigeria there are very few examples of good governance right now very few examples now let's talk about the military response to the crisis in the east 
Peter Uche, a member of the IPOB, recently accused the government of repeatedly harassing them since starting a security outfit in the region. I, I think there's there's a discussion to be had over this um, sort of allegation against the Nigerian government from a from an outfit that is even illegal to start with. Well, again, um, you you need only look at uh, the, the reports from. Uh, Amnesty International, for example, over the last five years, to understand the scale of some of the abuses of the of the army in the in the in the southeast. Of course, the well-known Python dance, hmm? Operation Python dance, mm -hmm. and the issues that has brought up, and of course Python dance too, continuing in the same vein, right? Uh, you you also have uh, in 2016 in the celebration of Biafra Day or something, there about 150. Biafra protesters were killed. These and several other abuses like that. Okay, so what happens is when you do that, when you do that again, if people are making trouble, arrest them, charge them, and have them tried. If they are if they are if they are disturbing public peace, hmm, you do that. If they dis if they destroy public property and so on, if they kill people, there are established processes by which they do that. Extrajudicial imprisonment, extrajudicial murder, only serves to only serves to lend credence to the kind of thing that people like Enamdekano want. And I need to also stress, Enamdekano is himself a bad actor. He's a bad actor. Mm -hmm. Okay, he is not somebody that is that that apparently has the well-being of his people. No, 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 no. The only thing he wants is power. How, how would you justify that? With, because there are, there are a lot of sympathizers with the IPOB who believe they are there for the right of Biafra. Well, again, you can you can want Biafra, eh? but you can want it through peaceful means. There are people that want all sorts of things all over the, all over the globe. Hmm? Active separatist movements, but they seek to achieve their aims by explicitly political means. So, for example, in Scotland, the whole back and forth about, you know, Scottish independence, uh, uh, Scottish independence stroke devolution marks and so on and so forth. Basically, there is an ongoing negotiation between Scotland and the government in London about how much powers the, Scot the Scotland government should have. This is something that has been going on now for decades and it's not going to, I mean, it's not going to end anytime soon. Right, so all the posturing you see from them is about how much powers the Scotland government want. and all of that is happening through political means, through peaceful means. Hmm? But this new dimension in the southeast is an ill wind that will blow, that will not do anybody any good at all. No, like what you just pointed out, the use of violence by separatist movement to try to get what they want. I think it's important that we look at the difference between the ESN and the Boko Haram. Should the military treat these two groups differently? So, first of all, uh, interestingly, interestingly, the, the, aims, the aims of the ESN, for example, and Boko Haram are not, are, not, are not anywhere near the same. I mean, Boko Haram are of course outrightly against Western education and all the things, all the all the things that come with, you know, perceived as Western, right? And the and the Eastern and the and the ESN and by extension IPOP, they want, you know, they want Biafra. Okay. Uh but interestingly, 
they both arose, or you can draw a direct line from violence meted out by state actors to the emergence of both groups. That is the similarity they have. It's from that very tree, that tree, that tree of violence is what has given birth to these two groups. That is the main similarity between them. Now, th- of course, the objectives, like I said, are not are not are not uh, are not really the same. But you can draw a direct line from state violence, like I said, the killing of Mohammed Yusuf in 2009, and the heavy-handed military style in the southeast has given birth to to both of those groups. Um, Joachim, you mentioned that their only similarity is the fact that they are starting out with state violence. And if we look at the history of Boko Haram, when they started out 10 years ago, they also wanted an independent state uh, because of um, their religious beliefs. And they wanted an independent state. They said, and they said a military arm where they were carrying arms. And look at ESA, look at IPOB. Now they have a militant arm with ESN, ESN and they are saying they want an independent state of Biafra inside Nigeria. I, I like to think that this um, this insurrection have similarities when it comes to their origin. And don't you think Nigeria is is going to have a problem, n- let's say, 10 years down the line? Because if you look at the way Boko Haram started, now they are a full-blown terrorist group. Don't you think Nigeria would have a problem 10 years down the line if the ESN is not properly, properly handled? There is there's a slight difference. Uh, there's a slight difference between between the ESN and Boko Haram. First of all, so there, there is plenty of support for the emergence of another Biafra in the Southeast. There is what you, so what you might say is 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 a sizable minority, but they're not in the majority. Okay. But you but you do admit that there are enough sympathizers of the IPOB in the Southeast. So going from sympathizers to carrying arms is are totally different things. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. You you can be sympathetic to the idea of a Biafra, but when they ask you, are you going to vote for a yes or no, you end up voting no. Going from not just being a sympathizer for Biafra, but carrying arms in support of such are totally different levels of commitment. So, what am I saying? I'm saying that they they need they need a minimum viable product to gain legitimacy in the southeast. And what is that they are doing? From what I can see, they are they are using the idea of protecting their people from Fulani pastoralists who are in the forest and harassing their people and so on. They're trying to use that to gain legitimacy for their other aims. So there is a there's a small but important nuance there. Now you are not going to support people for something if they don't have any real if if you don't see that they have any sorry if you don't have any real use for them. If people think that the ESN is going to help going to protect them from from these. Uh, people who are in the forest and who are harassing them, you know, rape, kidnap, extortion, and so on, you are going to be more sympathetic to anything they ask you to support them on going forward. And that is, that is the, that's a slight difference there. I, I, I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. I, I want to be sure. So you believe that ESN does not pose uh, a particular, a particular sizable threat as the Boko Haram did when they started? Oh, they do pose a threat. They do pose a threat. That is why they are carrying arms right now. 
they do pose a threat. And the time, the time to begin to round them up and put them on trial. And now, sorry, and this is very, very important. If you begin to arrest them, hmm, mm-hmm. you then there there needs to be a clear process by which they are held accountable. All of them, plus Enamji Kano, they cannot be held indefinitely in any prison without trial. Because that will only again compound the problem and make the point that the only language the Nigerian government understands is violence. You cannot get to a point where people think that they cannot talk to you because of the federal government. You cannot get to a point where people cannot sit at the table with you because they think that if they do that, your response to them is going to be, you know, uh, to, to imprison or jail or whatever. If people are committing crimes, they should be put on trial for those crimes. Those that have genuine concerns should have a listening ear from the federal government and their concerns taken on board and then implemented. The criminals go to where criminals go after legal due process. Again, not by indefinite detention, not by torture, not by extrajudicial murder. No, none of those things are going to help what the federal government wants to do, which is apparently, apparently, if you have to believe what they say, they want a united Nigeria. If you want that, you cannot achieve that by military force alone. It is going to be mostly by political means, speaking to people, and then, of course, good governance. Hmm? As for the criminals, empower the security agencies, increase their capacity and their ability to deal with these troublemakers quickly and in time. That's for them. But they are a small minority. For everybody else, put the things in place that are going to give people this idea that Nigeria is interested in their success. What we have in Nigeria right now is a situation whereby it seems that the, it seems that the Nigerian state is more interested in the success of Nigerians in the diaspora than, than Nigerians who live here. It's funny if you see how uh, the if, if you see how the Nigerian Americans in that were given appointments in the Biden administration, if you see how they were celebrated. I I, I think that's something by to various be said. by various government officials. Yes. In fact. It, it it's almost laughable because these people they 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 got away from the country or they weren't even born here right mm. so they got away from the country from 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 the from the country and you know they they worked hard they did all of that all, all and these are majorly young people did you notice yes of course of that making it making it making the making the distinction even worse mm. there are no there are no gray haired people there nobody with uh, with beards and whatnot mm. there are younger people who have by working hard, have gotten the attention of, of people that matter and based on that, have gotten to the level where they've gotten to. What is the Nigerian government doing to ensure that the boy that is in Potiskom in Yobe State and may very well be, be, be the next chess grandmaster? What is the, look, what is the government doing to ensure that he's, that he's able to fulfill his dream? In fact, what is the government doing to ens- to even help him find out whether he can be a chess grandmaster or not? Do they even play chess? Precisely. <laughs> you can't know if you are good at you it. You have very few options, yeah. You, you can't know if you are good at it, on, good at it, good at it on, 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 until you play it. And that is what opportunity is about. Now, are you going to invest the time that is necessary to do that? Or are you going to continue to do all of this, uh, all of the, the way you, 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 you always do things, which is imprisonment, 
murder, no accountability, and so on and so forth. That's the question that we have to answer. We've uh, we've kind of exhausted this um, the Olo crisis, but it is very important that uh, we mention that uh, in 2021 the insecurity situation still continues to leave Nigerians feeling helpless. The crisis in Olu resulted in burning of houses and shops of people that are residents in the area, and we understand how important Olu is when it comes to the to the market situation, particularly in Imo State. What do you think is a solution in sight for for people, for normal citizens out there from, from becoming victims of situations like this? Well, unfortunately, um, the coffee was done in response to the security situation. The people there, and that coffee will be lifted if the government feels that it can restore law and order. The faster they think uh, things can are, are back to normal, then the faster they can call off the coffee so that people can continue their their regular business. But I think that one thing that we need to understand is this. Um, it doesn't matter what is going on where. Without security, there'll be an economy, but not for most people. Most people will just be content with, you know, uh, not, not getting killed. Uh, and so... It's important for the Imo State government to quickly get a handle on the situation, arrest those responsible for these breaches of public peace, so that the people of Olu can continue to go about their normal business. In related event, uh, we can see the situation in Ethiopia where the TPLF is accusing the Prime Minister of genocide. What do you have to say about this particular accusation? Well, I, I find it's, it's, it's an unfortunate situation because uh, Abiy Ahmed was given the Nobel Peace Prize for making peace with uh, Eritrea, I believe. Yeah. And uh, not, not quite two years after that, his own country, his, his, his own country is, is falling apart. There are all sorts of, um, of uh, allegations being made. Now, clearly, the, the president is, is intent on keeping the country together. But again, the problem is that this whole bombs thing and military cannot be the only thing. At some point, they are going to have to speak with the people representing the Tigrayans and come to an agreement about how to move forward. I think. I think that the 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 the, the Abi Ahmed mm. is a Nobel Prize holder, Peace Prize holder. Mm. He should make peace. He should make peace and he should do what he needs to do to make peace the, uh, by bringing people around the table, finding out what they want, finding out where they can make certain compromises. He can do that and bring this unfortunate series of events to, uh, to an end. In fact, and this and this thing in Ethiopia now, now, now made something clear to me. I don't think that the Nobel Peace Prize should be awarded to any aspiring or current political office holder. I think it's a bad idea. Because I think that once anybody enters politics or is, or, is, or is currently in politics, the truth of the matter is that their incentives change a lot. Their incentives change a lot. And that goes for everybody. It doesn't matter if you, were, if you were like an activist before or like a technocrat or something. As soon as you enter the political arena, your incentives change. And I don't think that awarding the Nobel Peace Prize to current politicians is a good idea. I don't think so. I think that going forward, the uh, the uh, Nobel Committee should only award it to people 
who are either not going into politics or who have finished their political office holding so that they can have records that we can assess. Once you enter the political arena, a lot of, a, plenty, of, plenty of things change. And that goes for everybody, like I said. I think the situation in Ethiopia and Nigeria really brings to question how we resolve ethnic conflicts in Africa. Uh, why do you think we are still getting it wrong in this 21st century? We are, we are, we are still getting it wrong in 21st century because, uh, because we think that, like we say here, we think that everything is gra-gra. Violence. Everything cannot, everything cannot become a shootout. It cannot become a shootout. Because the problem is, once you carry a gun, eventually someone else carries a gun, and everybody begins to shoot. And people die. You know, <laughs> one of the one 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 of one of uh, one of uh, Donald Trump's well, maybe funnier tweets, dark dark humor when he said, "When the looting starts, the shooting starts," or something. You know, I just I just I just recall that. But we need to learn how to how to find out ways to compromise and ways to give the others the other side certain concessions that can make them feel like they can move forward uh with 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 the current nation uh agreement it's important to, to to also say that many of the national configurations in africa are artificial right because of the way they were drawn up by the various colonizing powers in in the late 19th century okay but that does not have to be that doesn't have to be a stumbling block by understanding what everyone needs our leaders can then come to an agreement that can serve everybody or at least give every party at the table something to take back to their people but shooting and military occupation can really only only go so far at the end of the day to have peace everybody needs to come back to the table hmm. uh, i think it's very important that we talk we talk about the pandemic that's currently ongoing in the world as part of our news summaries for this week we told you that south african president Cyril ramaphosa has urged wealthy countries not to award surplus COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, he added his voice to calls for global production to be shared more equally. What do you make of the score, Joaquim? Do you think that uh, Odin is not acceptable? Well, um, one thing that we have realized, or rather, that is now made even more clear during this COVID-19 pandemic is that because of the level of globalization that we have, if any corner of the world, if any corner of the world, sorry, the world is only as strong as its weakest as its weakest country. So, for example, COVID, if we eventually fight it and the vaccines go around and the incidence of COVID goes down, if there are some countries where where there is still COVID because there are not enough vaccines, it's going to come back again. So, the best way. Is for the is for adequate vaccine supply to go around the entire world because the level of globalization is such that we we have a, a scenario where an infection can go across the world in in 24 hours flat. But don't you think they'll be safe? Most of the other countries that have these vaccines in surplus. 
Well, by the time they are they are vaccinated, how about places like Africa? So, for example, uh, I know that to to vaccinate, so Africa has 1.3 billion people. To va- to vaccinate 70 percent of the population at two doses a day, you need about 1.8 billion doses of vaccine. So we can say two billion doses because you know you have uh, spoilage, you have wasted, and so on. So far, I think the last last I checked, Africa has only secured less than half of the 1.8 to 2 billion vaccines that you need to achieve herd immunity. And part of the reason for that is because uh, countries like like the UK, for example, have really monopolized uh, uh, orders for orders for vaccines. Right now, the, the, the UK's orders for vaccine is four times the population, is four times what they will need. Right now, there is a lot, there is a plenty of tension between the EU, the UK, and uh, AstraZeneca regarding vaccine supply. The, e, the, the UK had booked, had booked vaccine supply from AstraZeneca about three months before the EU did. And as such, the, the, the issues with vaccine supply for the, for the UK were solved by AstraZeneca and were not sorted out for the EU. Now, vaccine supply to the EU is much slower and the EU have been going on and on about this for for about two weeks now and uh, and had and are about to introduce not just legal means but actually policy means to ensure that they get adequate vaccine supply like i said the uk have have have, have overbooked regarding you know what the population will need and so the eu are now are now practically demanding the excess vaccine come to eu for supply and they are prepared to use all sorts of means like the border at at uh, at uh, at uh, at, uh, at, uh, at uh, northern ireland to ensure that the eu gets that vaccine supply so these various issues is not just like i said it's not just by booking the issue of supply has to be sorted out so what happens is that if some countries have already monopolized existing supply other countries are going to have much longer to wait whether or not they have the money for those vaccines. So the money isn't even an issue here. The money, the money is a first level issue. Supply is a second level issue. Distribution is the third level issue. So it's not just about putting money down. When are you going to get it? Are the factories big enough to manufacture the vaccines at the rate necessary? When are you going to get them? How are you going to distribute them? So all of these things are issues, and that is why that is why Ramaphosa and the and the, and the, and the Gabriel Jesus, the the WHO DG, have been talking about this issue of vaccine nationalism and saying that look, if these vaccines do not circulate around the world in sufficient time, we are going to have a lot of problems with COVID, perhaps longer than we are supposed to. Again. The money may be there, but supply is the issue. Okay, I, d- I don't know if you've heard about this, Joachim. In Nigeria, a man has advertised COVID vaccines on Twitter, suggesting black market sales are about mm-hmm. to take off. He offered two doses of the vaccines for 50,000 naira per dose. Uh, how does, does this come as a surprise to you? Do you did you think that this um, particular kind of development was inevitable? It does not come as a surprise at all. In fact, um, one of the key, we are in, this, is, this is February 1st, one of the key subplots of 2021 will be will be vaccine black markets in Nigeria. 
across the world. Was, okay. Across the world. Okay. Across the world. And and Nigeria and across the world. So that's going to be one of the uh, one of the key storylines of this year. And it's already it's already happening now. I don't even know who that in, who who that who that individual is, but I would suggest that he is tracked down and arrested. Because I was going to ask the intervention you would suggest should be done. The individual should absolutely be arrested. No mm-hmm. no question about it. Not just not not just because not just because of the of the of the black market issue. But the thing is what if so what if it's not a a a, a, a legitimate covid vaccine? The the the, the maker that he referenced in the in the in the tweet, AstraZeneca, requires storage at about minus seventy Fahrenheit or so. Does this individual have access to such cooling facilities? And not just that, by the time the vaccine gets into your body, for how long would the would, would the would the vaccine sample have been out of that kind of environment in which it needs to be optimal? I need to so we need to understand that there is still plenty of skepticism around vaccines across the world, not mm-hmm. even just in Nigeria. And if you and if we allow people who are who are talking about you know black market vaccines to give people these things that are probably not effective or are outright or are outright or 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 are, or, or are just completely uh, not even vaccines at all. How do we restore? How do we get public trust back mm. in vaccinations? So I would suggest that uh, the, the the necessary authorities, Federal Ministry of Health, NAVDAC, security agencies, should really do a lot of social listening, uh, and be and be on alert, be on social media, and ensure that people who who put out these kinds of things are are really arrested and tried, uh, so that the public can can have faith that the vaccines that are going to be distributed in, in Nigeria will be authentic vaccines and not and not either 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 black markets or, or or maybe sugar and water or something. What do you think should be done about these people beginning to advertise for these things? Uh, they should be arrested. Arrested and charged under the relevant laws and put in prison, yes. Because this is not this is not this doesn't fall under the umbrella of free speech. It's an outright crime. In fact, I don't even know this. This this person may may, may have may have may have violated about three or four laws that I that I know of just off just off, off the top of my head. So between NAVDAC, Ministry of Health, security agencies, they should all have, uh, they should all sit together and come up with a plan to ensure that people like this are quickly. Are quickly taken out of circulation. Like enough investigations on the yes. black market. Yes. Like I said, arrested, charged, and tried, not just kept in detention indefinitely. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, or else we are going to have even bigger problems going forward with regard to vaccines when they do arrive. Nigeria is a very is a pretty is a is a pretty corrupt place, okay? And um, the truth of the matter is that eventually there will be a black market for for authentic covid vaccines i don't know how big that black market will be i don't know if there's if, if, if there are going to be price hikes because of some hoarding by some people or something i don't i don't really know 
But the time to get ahead of this problem by the government is now. Like I said, federal government, sorry, federal ministry of health, NAFDAQ, all the all the relevant people, the NCDC, NCDC, they all have to come together and ensure that we don't get, we don't see this problem coming and still have to encounter it in maybe in March in, or in April in, or in May or something. The conversation continues. On the interview today, Video Announce Kadaria Ahmed speaks with Dakbo Oloriomi, the publisher of Premium Times, and the focus is on the inadequate media coverage of specific regions and the impacts this has. Catch the conversation today by 10 o'clock on Radio Now 95.3 FM. I'll be ending over the button and next week's edition will be presented by Oprah Coco. Thank you so much for listening. Please play your part to ensure a better Nigeria. The coronavirus is real. Do abide by the NCDC guidelines, practice social distancing, wash your hands regularly, and please use a face mask. Do have a productive day and week ahead. My name is Yetunde Adeyevi. Bye for now.